Hey, Bama fans, Matthew Gibson here from Blue Collar Unplugged. When you want to show that Alabama pride, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience. The best and largest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Nike Golf, Champion, Columbia, an amazing college vault of vintage and throwback logos, plus gifts and accessories. The best part? Alabama students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store, and you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass Rewards program. Alumni Hall, located in Midtown Village across from University Mall or anytime at alumnihall.com. Alumni Hall, where Crimson Tide fans shop. You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. The win. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Presented by Crimson Crossover. Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. That's two out of 26 in his last four games at home. Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. And what is next to Butler Field? Arby's. 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 So either A, Alabama basketball is forever... It, it, eminent, built eminent. on Arby's. It literally built on Arby's, the program. Or it's the first thing you see when you walk in. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. Uh, season 2, episode 14. Uh, we're here. We're actually not together this time uh, because uh, it's spring break. Jacob is in New York. Beautiful Rochester. Rochester, New York. And Matthew's in Huntsville. I'm in Tuscaloosa. Um, but it was just a very exciting, wonderful weekend of conference basketball tournaments. We got to see, uh, Matthew and I were in Nashville to see Alabama play in the SEC tournament. Alabama got the SEC tournament, uh, championship victory over Texas A&M, uh, as well as some other eventful games. Um, so we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about some, uh, NCAA tournament action Alabama got its first one seed in uh, program history the number one overall seed uh, so the NCAA tournament best time of the year is going to be starting uh, on Thursday so uh, I guess we'll just get started with uh, the tournament this past weekend I'll start with uh, you Matthew because you were uh, there present with me what was your um, biggest uh, thing that you noticed takeaway uh, from you could go with the tournament as a whole you could go specific game but uh, just start us off with something that stuck out to you from that day, that we. Yeah, honestly, to me, I I think it's the togetherness of this team. Um, through all the things that have happened this whole year with the Darius Miles trial, um, the Brandon Miller's ties to it, Jaden Bradley's ties to it, for them to battle through that and do their job, get through the SEC tournament, not just get through it, to run through the SEC tournament while not even playing their best basketball, coming together, playing as they did. And winning their second SEC sweep in three years was just thoroughly impressive to me and really just unprecedented um, stuff. Oh, Jacob's gone. Did we lose Jacob? <laughs> we lost Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, we were recording on StreamYard, and uh, we're having some some technical difficulties. He's yeah, back. StreamYard's really cool. Oh, he's oh, back. Cool, yeah. Sorry. Jacob's I don't back. know what happened. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it so. Probably going my thought. We're using this cool uh, website called StreamYard. If you haven't seen it, check it out because it has all these cool graphics and and stuff that you can see on here if this uh, goes up as a video, which it may or may not. But (laughs) you were saying, Matthew. That was my biggest takeaway is for them to come together as they have throughout the entirety of this season and to do what they've done to get the number one overall seed, first time in Bama history, first time Bama's ever been a one seed, to do that, to get to this point, to sweep the SEC, just mind-numbing stuff to me. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Matthew on the togetherness of the team. Um, just super impressive to see that performance. I think you see on and off the court, like both who's scoring, who's making the plays, as well as the togetherness in the huddle. I mean, that the team wanted it. Like I, I think the last four or five games, um, probably really four last games, uh, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, and A&M, Four close games, came out on top in three and lost to an A&M. Maybe deserved to lose all four at some point during that game. Um, I was a little, you know, had some worries and concerns coming to March. Uh, but the team came together as one and just wanted it. Like, I think 
there were two or three possessions yesterday, specifically in the AM game in the championship, where we had like three or four offensive rebounds on one possession. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. effort. Like that is guys wanting to win the game and wanting to do it for each other. Um, you saw it in the attitudes that kept up from a few players who really didn't play super well or didn't play as much. Uh, I think Gurley positively affects the attitude on the court more than maybe any player whenever he's on or when oh, he's yeah. off. Not that like whenever he's not on the floor, the attitudes are bad, but like whenever he's there, there's just another level of togetherness uh, and just team wants it. And that is something you want to see coming in, rolling into the NCAA tournament. I mean, you look at the other three one seeds at uh, two lost their conference championship game and one didn't play well against the 10 seed. And didn't like surrendered the, the chance. Big for Ten a tournament was like, what even was it? It was like, very, <laughs> it was very fitting of the Big Ten, and it's why yeah. I'm fading the Big Ten, the NCAA tournament. But um, yeah, Every this year. team wants it, and I think they're think they're, think they're going to get it. Yeah, I, for me, it was like the the defense was the biggest thing for me because like everyone talks about offense with NATO's teams. They talk about rim and three rates and three pointers and volume threes and everything, but like good NATO's teams play good defense. And we saw it in 2021 when the team was uh, third nationally in defensive efficiency. And the team is once again, third nationally in defensive efficiency. And when Alabama was going on that super long stretch of wins in uh, like from the Gonzaga loss to January, not a single team broke 70 on them until the Oklahoma game. And then even after that, they continued without an SEC team breaking 70 on them, on them until the South Carolina game, which was right after all of the uh, public uh, things with Brandon Miller. And so just for the, the defense playing as it did is what made this team so good. It was never just the offense. Uh, and so to see this team over three games give up 49 points against Mississippi State held them to their season low. And then with Missouri – um, they, that's the seventh ranked offense in Ken Palm, holding them to 60, what was it? 61, 61 on Saturday, 61, yeah. uh, holding Kobe Brown to six points, a first team all SEC player. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, holding Texas A&M to 63 points. That's a top 30 offense. Uh, according to Ken Palm, Wade Taylor, uh, had like 13 points, which is fine, but it was on three of 11 shooting. He didn't have a field goal for the first three quarters of the game. Uh, just so for Alabama's defense to play as well as it did, the emergence of Charles Bediaco as um, a rim protector, as one of the premier rim protectors in not only the SEC, but I go as far as to say the country at this point with how he's playing right now. I mean, he had 11 blocks over three games. He had five blocks in the SEC championship game. So just the, the way that the defense is playing, like the guards are guarding hard. They've never let their inability to hit threes like – like Mark Sears, even when he's not hitting threes, he's still guarding hard. JQ, even if he's not scoring, which he is right now, but even when he's not scoring, he's guarding hard. JQ was great against Wade Taylor. Uh, like the, the guards are playing well. We know this team has length and versatility on the defensive end. They can guard uh, anyone of any size. And now you have the anchor of Charles Bediaco as a rim protector. You have Nick Pringle improving as a backup center that just makes this defense so good. And whenever, like, I, I wrote this in one of my stories. I don't remember which one it was, but um, the fact that Alabama like can miss seven, like they can shoot like 30% from three and it doesn't matter because you're lucky to break 70 the way this defense is playing. It just makes them so hard to beat because if your offense doesn't have some incredible shooting day, like good luck, even competing, especially if they start hitting their threes, you're just going to lose by like 40. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think kind of on the last point, I believe it was Seth Davis was like everyone's talking about who's got the best A game in the country. And then he tweeted and was basically like, I think Alabama has the best B game because we honestly, like in a lot of games this year have won, you know, obviously there have been the SEC wins by like 40 and you know, yeah. that's, that's clearly your A game, but a lot of big games, it's like we haven't played our best. Some of our players haven't played their best and you just go out and deliver. Uh, yeah. Like you're saying, the defense was amazing. Uh, three games under one point per possession. Um, you kept Missouri to a negative like 0.36 rating compared to their usual of 1.23 of offensive efficiency. Like that's massive. Uh, really contained a lot of guys and, and 
like you're saying, like made them play bad. And like the effort to guard was there on all fronts. Like it looked like half the time we played defense, it looked like the pregame drill where you've got the managers and trainers like trying to Yeah, the, the closeout drill and yeah, I love that drill. Like that's exactly what it looks like. And whenever you have that, like what are you gonna do? You know, like especially like yesterday when really Alabama finally made their threes for the first time. Um, what felt like really all tournament. What did we let's see? What did we end up shooting yesterday from three? Thirty-three percent. Okay, so it yeah. wasn't even crazy. Like yeah. that's the thing. AM shot the same. We just made seven more. <laughs> yeah. It's like Alabama didn't even they're they're not even shooting the ball that well. Like Alabama shot 33%. That's like below the national average. That's yeah. below their season average. And they beat the number 18 team in the AP poll and the number two team in the SEC by 20 in a championship game. Like and it's stupid to even say out loud. Like it doesn't even make sense. No. It it makes no sense. I mean, the, the margins that this Alabama team is putting up consistently, it's good luck. Good luck. And the yeah. thing that I to see – go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, um, you mentioned margin, and that made me think about something Oates said last night in the press conference is the margin mm-hmm. plays is what's getting Alabama to, like, win those basketball games when they're not playing at the highest level. All those blue-collar points that we they've talked about, diving on the floor, getting O-boards, all of that – that's what's making Alabama win those basketball games when it comes down to it is their effort on the defensive end and their willingness to dive on the floor when they need to play together as a team. That's just what makes this Alabama team so special. That's why they're the best team in the country right now is just, they're doing all the little things that make an elite team elite. The blue collar stuff, like the, the hard hat award, like everyone contributes and like the depth too, like everyone contributes in, some way that they need to, whether it's like Noah Gurley taking on the Alex Reese type role from 2021, like the way that he um, has, his playing time is reduced. He used to play a lot more. Like he, he was an all SoCon player at Furman. Like he was really good. He scored like what, 16 a game his junior year yeah. and then ends up transferring to Alabama as a starter for an entire season. And then his fifth year, he comes back and he ends up getting like DMPs like not playing at all just because Alabama didn't need him to play towards the end of the season. But that never affected his leadership. He's always taking the young guys under his wing. You can see him in huddles, uh, pulling guys aside. Like he's always there as a leader. He's been a leader in the locker room since day one, since like me and Matthew were at SEC media days and we heard them talk about like the players only meeting after they lost the the scrimmage to TCU and how Noah Gurley like helped. Do what? I so said when the sky was falling, yes. Right. Oh, yeah, when the sky was falling. Uh, when Alabama lost by 30 to TCU and everyone thought they were going to suck again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Even though we got the big cat quote tweet. Oh, that's right. He was like <laughs> – He was like uh, – Rico Bosco. players only meeting in, in October. That can't be good. Well, it, it um, was actually very it was good. good. I think it, great, I think it turned out fine, honestly. Yeah. Um, the, the way that – Gurley has been a leader, and then he's ready when his number's called. Just like Alex Reese was. Remember, like, Mustache Reese, like, going crazy in the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament, like, feels like hitting a three at a big moment, like, every game. Yeah. Um, Gurley came out. He had the what – what did he have against uh, – he had, like, 11 against Mississippi State, right? Let's see. I'm about to on, that. on Friday? Yeah, he had, uh, uh, he had 11 on one 11 of two points. from two and – Three threes. He started off. Yeah, three threes. Yeah. And then made another three against Missouri, a pretty big one towards the end of the game because Missouri was kind of right there at arm's length for most of the game. Most of the game. Missouri didn't want to go away. Um, And then Gurley hit a three that I think pushed it from five to eight later in the second half, um, which helped extend the lead. Um, And then against – Texas A&M becomes any plays good defense. He just, he just like plays solid and he's a veteran and he's calm. He never gets flustered. He had that chase down block in the first half that like, I almost forgot even happened because there were so many highlight worthy plays. Yeah. Um, but he, he's been great. The depth, like Rylan Griffin coming off the bench and finally hitting shots. Like look what happens when Alabama gets contributions and like even minimal contributions from guys off the bench. Like, Alabama was getting, like, nothing from – it's crazy thinking about 
the stretch that they had leading into this tournament because they were getting nothing from Griffin. They were shooting terribly. They were starting slow, like playing really bad basketball. And they still went three and one. Yeah. Like, like against three really good teams and the day after everything came out. Like not slouches yeah. of teams. Like it's not like they played their B game against mid tier opponents and got through three it. Three tournament teams. Yeah. Literally three tournament teams. Three nine seeds and better. It was yeah. a nine and eight and seven. Yeah. So like NCAA tournament, like second round plus caliber teams <clears throat> yeah. um that Alabama was able to beat while playing really, really bad. Awful. And I, I was talking to somebody before the game, and uh, he was like, Alabama, the first time they played Texas A&M, played terribly in College Station and still is like a Mark Sears blunder away from having the ball with the chance to win. Yeah. Like, That's that just crazy. shows how good this team is. With, a, like, what, 20 or 15 or 18 free throw disparity in College oh, Station? Oh, yeah. Like – it's just unreal at that level. Like that's the, that's the floor. Like, I, I think that's fair to say that's the floor. And the ceiling is so high. If they hit 40% of their threes, which has happened before, like no team is coming within, like no team is making that a two possession game. If Alabama is hitting like 40% of their threes and guarding yeah. and the way they're guarding right now, like, they guard like they like y'all were talking about like how they want it. They guard like they want to win a championship. Absolutely. Their ceiling that's what you, that's what you need their to ceiling do. is a national championship. That's how good yeah. this Alabama team is. Their ceiling is 100% winning a national championship for the first time in school history. That's how good this team is. And two of the catalysts on defense, well, one is obviously Charles Bediaco. He had, what, 11 blocks this tournament? Yeah. Right? I think he had five versus um, State and then five versus – Last like versus AM and then one versus um Missouri, but he has been insane. Yeah. Let's talk about him for a minute. Yeah. I, he's he's played awesome, like you said, like eleven block, blocks in three games. And like these past three games, like he's looked different at the rim. Like mm-hmm. he he looks like he's stronger. He's taken the ball out of people's hands going to the rim, like not even worrying about blocking it, just grabbing it from them. Like that strength, like he's playing like angry Chuck, but he's playing composed. Uh and he's bothering other bigs. Like Julius Marble yesterday was was not having fun. Locked up. <laughs> he was not having fun. Chuck blocked Julius Marble. Marble instantly gets the the annoyance foul. Like just tries to grab Chuck and gets called for it like immediately. Uh, I mean Chuck's everybody Kawa has Chuck is the the third best defensive player in the country. And well, is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, behind Musa Sise of Oklahoma State and Julian Phillips. Wow. Uh, which I I don't I don't know what position Sise plays, but I think Bediako. Okay, then yeah, never mind. I was gonna say he's the only because I know Phillips is not like a true five. Um, is the main five on there? I mean, it's it's just so impressive, and that adds another level of depth. And Whenever you're scared to run in the paint because Bediako is simply going to block the shot or misdirect it or force you to take a bad shot, like, and you're guarding and we're running teams off the three point line, like Missouri was having to make shots from five and six point or five and six feet off the line and like falling away in a corner because they weren't getting to the rim because they weren't making shots at the rim. Like, mm-hmm. whenever you're forcing teams to do that, it's just like you're going to win games. Like, you're going to win basketball games when you force teams to make or to take and make as many bad shots as Alabama forces. And the way, like, you said he looks composed. And, like, that that's huge, I think, because yeah. I feel like he's learned or he's learning how to, like, carry his extra weight because he put on weight in the offseason. Yeah. He looks, like, he looks comfortable being seven feet, like as, yeah. as comfortable as you can look being a seven-footer. Yeah. Like, he – I remember last year there were a lot of times where he looked awkward, he couldn't move very fluidly and I think he's getting better at like carrying around his frame and being like more comfortable on both sides of the ball um like he moves around in that dunker spot like better um he's very I think more disciplined on the defensive end 
Like whenever he he's able to contest shots and leave his feet and not foul. Yes. Which is a really hard thing to do, especially for a seven footer. Like he's very disciplined in how he goes for um, the blocks that he ends up getting. Like he doesn't just go up and swat and like just hit people in the shoulder or the face or the arm and, and get fouls picked up that way. Um, like if he leaves his feet, he's doing it going straight up. And like, that's, that's how he, uh, he blocked Alan Flanagan at the end of the road Auburn game. Um, the no call that a lot of fans didn't like, um, cause he was just straight up. He left his feet, but he was straight up and didn't, um, initiate the contact. And he's, he's just a wall. Like you, you just can't get a shot up over him because of his length and his, uh, discipline and the, the way he plays defense down there. Yeah, and then, and then on offense, his finesse around the basket has just gotten so much better. I mean, you're seeing him have some runouts now where he's converting, like, layups. And he's got, he's got a finger roll going. He's got, he's got a finger roll going. This is just things we've never seen Charles Bidiaco do before until now, and his progression from day one of sophomore year to now is just insane. Um, you know, I even, even not necessarily scoring-wise, but he's facilitating the ball to his teammates very well from that, you know, five spot. You know, when he's getting boards, he's kicking it out immediately to an open three or whatever whatever there is, and it's it's really impressive to me. And I yeah. think he's always been a good passer from the center spot, mm-hmm. like good at getting rebounds and looking out or like getting the ball dumped down to him to get the defense to collapse and kicking out. But like he's always been good at that, but I think he's doing it even better now. Like he has good vision for a center. His hands have gotten better, I feel like, um, especially catching lobs. Like, he used to miss a lot of lobs from Quinterly or from Bradley or something like that, and now he throws them down, like, powerfully. Yeah. And if he doesn't throw it down he and or can't for whatever reason, he catches it, comes down, and goes back up. And Which is that's, smart, yeah. And that's really important. I mean, he, he went 16 of 20 in three games. He only missed four Wait, shots. Wait, really? Yeah, and yeah. three of them were yesterday. <laughs> he had five assists in three games. For a center? It was pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, Hunter Cruz tweeted out the horn set that it was horn set that Nate ran, where it was like, I think Quinterly dribbled it up, went down to Bediaco, everybody drew to Bediaco, Bediaco found Clowney, Clowney made the three again. I believe it's yesterday's game. Um, it's just that kind of faci- like facilitation that Bediaco brings to the table and transforms the Alabama offense. Uh, I think he also had the highest offensive rating for each game so far, uh, one forty nine in the first game. 174 against Missouri and uh, 150. Clowney actually beat him by three yesterday, but oh, offensive rating of 150. I mean, that's bringing over nearly a point and a half every possession you're on the floor. That's yeah. Good. Let's talk about what Jake U keeps on doing. Like over the course of the past – What's it been like six games now that he's been really good? Cause he kind of had like a coming out party, so to speak against Arkansas where he had like what 13 or 16 or whatever 16. it was. Yeah, 16. yeah. 16. And then he cooked Auburn <clears throat> and that comeback. He was, he was pretty good against A&M if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, the first time. I think yeah, he and then points, three assists. He was good. Yeah. It gets put in the starting lineup. Um, Mississippi State to try to eliminate the slow starts and immediately does that against Mississippi State. He has uh, like eight points in the first like 10 minutes or something like that. Um, he ends up with what do you end up with in that game? Like right ten at 10? Yeah, yeah, 10 and four. And then against Missouri, couldn't hit anything from the field, but had seven assists to only one turnover. Um, and then Against A and M, uh, he ended up with 20, 22. 22? Yeah. And, 22, and he was shooting excellently, like four for eight. Um, and he was finishing around the rim. He had a couple goaltends against uh, Solomon Washington. The same guy got him for a goaltend twice. But just the way, like, he's playing exactly like he did two years ago. He's like the engine of this offense. I don't know if he's tech. He's really the engine this year. Cause like, that's kind of brand Miller, but he just adds so much more as um, a guard that can create and score. And with Mark Sears struggling, that's sorely needed 
for this Alabama team. And when Sears gets going, it's so over. Like, it, I don't know what teams are going to do when Sears starts hitting shots again. He kind of hit him yesterday. I mean, I let's see what was his what was Sears' exact line yesterday? He hit the first one, and I don't know if he hit another one the rest of the game. Honestly, uh, he did not. So yeah, take it back. Um, yeah, no, I, I think. I think the decision to consistently bring Quinterly off the bench for a while was like obviously out of habit from coming off the injury. And then just like a Bradley and Sears seems to work. Um, but to eliminate the slow starts, like you don't need to big brain it. Like JQ is going to start because he can bring fast pace and like create his own shot a little bit better than Bradley at this point. Um, Bradley's great at finishing through contact, but JQ's ability to craft and just have wide open layups because of speed. It just opens up things completely, mm-hmm. uh, like you were saying. So I think that is really, really important. Because, two, like the under 16 to under 12, where we normally have the scripted subs of like Gurley or Namari in, typically the offense tends to lag a little bit during that. And honestly, I think you'd rather have that lag a little bit and let your defense keep up than start off slow and have to come back from that. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and then um, just on the defensive end with Javon, too, Oates mentioned it. He did a fantastic job with Wade Taylor, and he looks significantly stronger than previous years, and that's just another element to, you know, his, like, the player he is becoming and is now. I mean, he's so much better in defensive end. He's getting in passing lanes. He's staying in front of guys who are bigger and quicker than him. It's Javon's just taking his game to another level down the stretch here. Obviously, there's still, like, there's still some games left this season. But do we think he does have another year left? Do we think he uses it and comes back next year? Why not? Commit to the bit. That, that's what I think. Yeah, that's why. The G League's going to be there no matter what for Javon. Why not come back and do this again next year? Yeah, That's kind of how I was feeling, too. Is like he's not getting – he's probably not going to get drafted. Like no. with where – like with his age, with his size, just – reality of it he's probably not gonna get drafted and so then your profession your other professional options whether that be overseas or whether it be uh trying to get a g-league contract they're gonna be there regardless like you said he's making a ton of money in nil now and like you know like we know he loves it here like he even like he answered your question at uh the game and said like alabama is his second home like we know how he feels about the program. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him, to see him come back and use his sixth, sixth year, his sixth, a fourth year of fifth year of playing. It'll be fifth year of playing, sixth year in college. But it definitely could happen. It would it would be huge for Alabama's team next year too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like we've seen with Gurley this year. Is like you, the Gurley's played a little bit more. Oh well, played a little bit less than like your average rotational player, but also played a little bit more than like just kind of here for the vibes. Um, but I mean, Javon could come back. The, uh, he knows the offense. He is like understands what Oates wants to do everywhere. And if you've got a, a would be his fifth year at Alabama and all five years under Oates, like that presence would be invaluable, even to a team that's going to stay relatively the same minus a few, like obviously big pieces with Brandon Miller, uh, Noah Gurley graduating and being done, Tom Welch being graduating, being graduated and being done. Uh, but maybe maintaining, Clowney. like, yeah, maybe Clowney. Uh, but still a solid core, like, ready for next year. Still having JQ there to be a mentor, um, talk through, teach, coach, just be a leader uh, would be invaluable. Would love love to have that, love to see him come back. I mean, I, I love Javon. Uh Seeing him play this well in March, it just makes me so happy. I mean, he's earned every bit of it. He's gone through so much, so many struggles between transferring, different injuries, having to sit out. Uh, it just he he's so earned this, and it's just really cool to see him get to live it out and like get to perform on the biggest stage and about to perform again on the biggest stage in March in JQ January February JQ April. So. <laughs> um. The one other player I want to talk about before we get into um, maybe some NCAA tournament talk, um, I mean, it's got to be Brandon Miller. Like, <laughs> are we ready to call him the best player in program history? Yes. I I am. Yes. And I don't like 
Matthew, you tweeted out his like his accolades, like all of them. Yeah. Did were there awards out when we recorded last? Because I don't remember. Did we know um, that he was player of the year? Yes, there were. We we talked we about really being co six man. I remember that conversation. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, we did. But just like freshman team, first team All SEC, freshman of the year, player of the year, tournament MVP, like Wooden Award semifinalist, Naismith Award finalist, or whatever he is. Um, he's been an all. He's first team All American on one of the four lists that um, the NCAA recognizes for consensus All American status. The other ones haven't released their lists yet. I don't think. Um, so he's got all of the accolades. On top of that, he broke Colin Sexton's freshman scoring record. He is like 11 threes away from breaking the program three-point record in a season. And he's 80 points away from breaking the program's single-season scoring record, which is currently held by Reggie King. And, like, he needs to – if Alabama goes to the Elite Eight and plays four games, he needs to average 20 points over four games to break the record. Yeah. Which, is I mean, like, that's very feasible. Yeah. I mean, I – when you look at his accolades, you look at how he's performing and everything that what adds to the, the legacy of Brandon Miller to me too, is just the fact that he's been playing through all of this, all of the things that have been going on with the Darius miles trial. It's, it's unreal. And to his only competition in my eyes would be a guy like Herb Jones. I mean, I, there's just, just nobody that is, he's going to be Bama's first. What? Um, gosh, what am I trying to say here? Like, He's going to be a finalist with like both the Naismith Award and all the other things wooden, that probably wouldn't work. Yeah. It's just, it's unreal what he's doing as a freshman. I just don't think there is any player that comes close to Brandon Miller right now besides a guy like Herb Jones. Yeah. yeah and like theirs were like different because Herb's was a whole career. And like he was there for four years, he helped build what we're seeing now um, with his. Uh, like he Oates came in after his first two years and then he helped Oates uh, build what we're seeing now. He was defensive player of the year, player of the year. Um, but what Brandon has done in one season is just insane. I mean, he was the first guy to win player of the year and freshman year in the SEC since what Anthony Davis in 2011. Anthony Davis. He's the only one to ever yeah. do it in Miami history. I mean, it's just, yeah. What he's doing is, is nuts and, People need to appreciate that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see he moved up to second on ESPN's big board today? I did. Um, Wadge was, I think it was Wadge that was talking about that. I He's moved past Scoot Henderson, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's just I'm not tells you what he's doing right now. It's, it's, yeah. it's unreal. I'm not a draft analyst. I, why not? Let's put him at two. <laughs> Let's put him at one. Draft him one. <laughs> yeah, as, as Jimmy Dyke so lovingly reminded everyone watching the broadcast at least 20 times this weekend, he will be the best college basketball player drafted. There, he will be the first. He'll be the first player drafted. Yeah. in the NBA draft in July, like we'll be the first, no doubt. Um, he will be. He's second in Ken Palm's Player of the Year standings, which is pretty pretty massive considering like that's literally just numbers. So. Anybody can be on 363 teams. Like he is so incredibly, um, I think, in love with Alabama. I think he loves this school, and I think that makes it mean so much too. Uh, with his family connections, with his dad playing football here, uh, he loves school. He loves Nate Oates. Like he loves his program, and he shows that and demonstrates it like every single game. Like there's never been a player more like from the student section that like has looked over at, at us after every big moment, like tried to get us like connect with us at every point during the game. Then um, he's just put on incredible performance after incredible performance, despite um, so much going on around him. He's just let basketball be a safe haven and, and just said, Hey, I'm the best player in college basketball and you're not, you're not going to do anything about it. And teams haven't been able to contain him and he's just been unreal. And I think like you were saying, Matthew is like, is it possible we're like underrating Brandon Miller still? Like it's as a as a collective fan base, are we still not like respecting him enough? Um, 
through what he's doing. I think it's become like I think we've started to like expect it because yeah. we've seen it so much that we're not appreciating it yeah. as much as we could be. Because like he went for 18, then 20, then 25, right? Or 23? Just 23 uh, on 23. Sunday? 23, yeah. 23, yeah. But like that's unheard of. Like just the 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 scoring output, um, the the way that he like the energy that he shows on the court, like the passion that he plays with, is unmatched by anyone probably besides like JQ. Yeah. Like the 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 physical like emotion that you can see that he plays with, uh, you can tell how much he loves the game. Um, also, the fact that he always feels like he shows up to hit a dagger every game. Yes. Like he he did it against Arkansas in Coleman. Yep. He did it against uh, Missouri and against Texas A&M where, like, oh, they're starting to kind of come back and cut it close, and then, boom, he hits a three. Yeah. And then he has the breakaway dunk that we were uh, looking at earlier against Texas A&M that just sends the crowd into a frenzy and, like, essentially ends the game. Yeah. Um, like, he, he shows up in the big moments, and, like, even though – he didn't necessarily shoot the ball well on Sunday. Um, he still affects the game in a number of ways, and he still scored it. He passes the ball way better than uh, people talk about. Like, he has great vision. Um, his ability to pass off the dribble, I think, is underrated. His playmaking ability is underrated. Um, he, he's easily the best player that Alabama's had, but I think, like, he's definitely inching towards, if he's not already there, at that greatest player of – in Alabama history, Mark. And it could take them to their first ever Final Four. So that helps too, I guess. That's another thing. If Brandon Miller takes Alabama to a Final Four, if Alabama can somehow find a way to win a national championship, the que- the question then becomes, is Brandon Miller one of the best players in college basketball history? Not just Alabama history, but college basketball history, period. Taking a school like Alabama yeah. to win a national championship or to a Final Four, a Final Four would be great too. You have to start putting him up there with some of the best players to ever go through college basketball itself. Like you put him up there with like Anthony Davis, like we were talking about earlier, because yeah. he had the same uh, SEC accomplishments. But then you add on top of that the postseason success. That's exactly that you would have to put him there once you would see all of the the lists of the accomplishments and the honors and and everything that he did. Absolutely. Yeah, and all in a year. I mean that's in one like one year. crazy. Enjoy it, yeah. Because in maximum six games, he is a Houston Rocket. Gosh, please, or Charlotte, Charlotte. No, no, or a, not a Charlotte or a, or a Detroit Pistons. Mess around and be an Oklahoma City Thunder. That's he will not be a Thunder. Sam Presti masterclass incoming. I don't <laughs> a San Antonio Spur. That that's fine. That's fine. Is it? No, Wemby's a Spur. He just is. But it, but but does do the Spurs get one? I like. Well, the lottery's rigged. You know that. No. So they're they're gonna they're gonna give Greg Popovich his next uh, foreign uh, power forward. That's that is be- true. Electric is is Wemby a power forward? Is he a center? He, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's, he's playing inside. He's an oversized three. He's a shooting guard. Yeah, seven four yeah. shooting guard. I think he's an extremely <laughs> oversized three, like two to three. I mean, like kind of positions don't exist anyways. No, they don't. They're and not they real. They shouldn't. No. Except centers like Charles Bediaco is a center. Yes. He should never play any other. One one through four interchangeable. Um, Point Chuck, he did have the breakaway. The no, he did. Oh, so the handles team, were on the do. play. Sorry. So, just he had the, the one against uh, Auburn, there. too. Oh. There we go. Anyway, Josh, I'm so sorry. Anyways, um, I was just saying, like, the teams that would be, like, around Brandon Miller's, like, projected area would be Houston, Sacramento, Detroit, Indiana, Portland. What pick do they have? Sacramento? Yeah. Um. They have up from number seven. I don't know what team they have, but right now the draft lottery odds have them at number four. Oh my gosh. Because they're like the three seed right now in the West. Two. They're so good. 
I love the king. I, I would be fine if Brandon Miller was a king. That could be fun. Oh, that'd be incredible. It, Him and king. Keegan oh, Murray and De'Aaron Fox, and that'd be awesome. It'd be really fun. Uh, yeah, that's it's greatness, people. Enjoy. It is great. Let's get into some uh, NCAA tournament talk. Alabama is the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. First ever one seed in school history. Um, they are in the South region, which means second weekend they will be in Birmingham – or second weekend they'll be in Louisville. First weekend they'll be in Birmingham. Uh, first round game is against the winner of Southeast Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Who's going to win that game? Give me the Islanders by about I don't 15. Is <laughs> it about 15? Uh, eight. That's probably fair. I mean, SEMO – was like the five seed in the OVC. Yeah. And I did watch their championship game, and they're not that good. I don't know if Corpus Christi is either. I have not watched them since last year's playing game. I, uh, so I have no clue about them. We watched we watched their game um, because we it was Northwestern oh, State, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. In the oh, that's championship right. Game because, uh, I was focused on Hansel uh, Emanuel. Yep. Yeah. But um, – I did uh, shout out Andrew Parrish for telling us that Corpus Christi's average height is six foot three. Uh, yeah, Matthew, I'm did you sure, know that? Yeah, looks sure like you we will not be exploiting that. Um, if that actually ends up happening, yeah, it, it's over. Good night. Uh, either team, like <laughs> it, it's it's a wrap. Alabama's winning this game by forty. Yeah, that's like not even. I don't even know if that's an exaggeration. Not. Like they can shoot it pretty well. Like I am not like there. There would be other sixteen seeds that I would be happier to see, but I'm not worried about <laughs> when not winning this game. I mean it's <laughs> no. it's a one sixteen. There's been one upset ever, and it's because the four seed in our bracket plays ugly basketball and leaves <laughs> themselves open to getting beat. And we'll whenever we open up the bracket, I'll I'll continue this soapbox. But they're losing to Furman. Yeah, no, they are. They're gonna lose to Purdue. But Virginia Paladins, lock, lock uh, it the in. Paladins, the fighting former Noah Gurleys, will will beat Virginia. Book it. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the bracket, the South region is like it's kind of cake. Like it's really, really, it's fine. Really it's okay. It's like the worst bracket. It's the worst region. The the two seeds Arizona. Which they're good. They won the Pac-12 championship, but they're not great defensively. Um, the three seeds Baylor, like the king of inconsistencies. Um, what if they? I was looking at their Ken Palm page earlier, and I'm about to pull it back up. But I got it. Um, they're they're second in offense and 104th in defense. Ooh. So a little bit more extreme version of the Alabama team from last year. Um, uh, they've also lost four of their last six. It's not been great. No, not good. I think um, since that Kansas game, they've been really not great, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Since they blew the 20-point lead to Kansas. And then lost by 20. Yeah. Um, then you've got the, the four seeds, Virginia. They play offensive basketball like they're in the 60s. Um, and then you have San Diego State's the five. Matt Bradley's fun. I'm happy that, the other five. Uh, I mean, compared to some of the other fives, could have been Duke. That would have been bad. The the fives or, are honestly pretty good across the board this year. And Miami, Miami's a pretty good five. My, Miami's a pretty good five, and then St. Mary's, depending on how you feel oh, about the Gales. I don't believe in them. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, let's San Diego State might be the worst five though. They're yeah. solid. I mean, they're they're a candidate to lose to Charleston though for sure. I mean, that's that's a Five twelve. Charles good. Still waiting to happen. Yeah, uh, and then the six seeds Creighton. I don't know how they're the six and not the five, but like good for Alabama because they avoid Creighton until the Elite Eight if Creighton even gets there, because they have to. Creighton has to get through Arizona and Baylor, um, and then the sevens Missouri. I actually like Missouri a lot. I have Missouri going to the Sweet Sixteen. But that's that's just me. No, I I do as well. 
Okay, there we go. I, uh, but yeah, like, what do y'all think about the bracket and or the the South region and potential matchups for Alabama? Yeah, I mean, this is this is about as good of a region as you could hope for for Alabama. All every single team in this region, Alabama has fantastic chance to beat. I mean, just down the board, their next game would be Maryland, West Virginia after you beat the 16 seed. Cakewalk. I mean, it, just there's so many winnable games, and I think we lost Jacob. Um, it's this is about as good of a bracket as you could have hoped for if you're Alabama to potentially get to your first Final Four in program history. What? So you said you haven't filled your bracket out yet, right? Yeah. Who Not would yet. you have in the? Would you have Maryland or West Virginia? I think I lean. Which West is, Virginia. by the way. The first game of the tournament, Thursday morning. I will yeah. be in there. You oh, no, I, yeah, I will be. I'm thinking um, I'm leading West Virginia, I think. But like West even Virginia then, has a little bit of a better offense than Maryland. Um Yeah. Maryland. But like West Virginia, defense. like either one, I think if it was in a different site, maybe it could be a sort of challenging game for Alabama. Um, but like it's it's gonna be in Birmingham. And so like even if you're slightly worried about like West Virginia or Maryland, like Alabama's gonna have a home crowd behind it, which like they're gonna play great with that. Like we saw it in um in Bridgestone in Nashville. Yeah, that like place how was, well Alabama played. That place was packed with Alabama fans in the final day. And, like, if you remember the CM Newton Classic, like, you remember how loud it was in there in that game? Like, that was one of the loudest crowds for the opening. Like, when Miller was hitting threes, Clowney was hitting threes. Um, when they opened up with a lead against Gonzaga, like, that was some of the loudest I've ever heard was, in Alabama. That was louder than Coleman Coliseum at times. Like, oh, absolutely. Than Coleman Coliseum. It was one of the best environments Alabama played in all year. Um, and so you yeah, could see something like that again. Yeah, I, I – for that game, I would lean West Virginia over Maryland, but if Alabama's matchup with either one of those teams, I think Alabama wins by 10, 15 or more. So I just they don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with Bama nor the size either team. So if I'm Alabama, I'd rather play Maryland, I think. But I think Alabama would beat either of them by a by a healthy margin. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. Then in the sweet sixteen you have one of San Diego State, Charleston, Virginia, Furman. That's that's pretty good draw compared to the other. Like, that's give me Alabama by at least twelve against all of those teams. Yeah, uh, I think the ceiling. No one. You have to be able to score with Alabama or defend them really, really well, and also score. Like I, you've got to do one like both of the things well, and I just don't think any of those teams can do it. Um, I'm not phased by Virginia. I don't think their offense would really work against us. I don't think their offense really works. Period. Um, and they're not like they would play. <laughs> they play primarily zone, so that could pose some like. Okay, we've got to kind of figure out how to work against this because no one plays zone against us for the most part. But then that that would be the game that they like. Shoot the lights out. Yeah, exactly. Shoot 40%, um, beat them by 60. <laughs> San Diego State doesn't really move me. I think they're a pretty good solid team, um, but I'm not I'm not moved. I'm not overly compelled to think that they could make a run. Um, so I I don't know. Like the, the first three rounds, I, I'm honestly Lucky scared. I, I'm worried about more of Maryland-West Virginia than I am the Sweet 16 game. Honestly, I think that's valid. Like, and then, the, but then, luckily for Alabama, they're getting a home game for yeah. essentially a home game in the round of 32. Um, it'll be interesting to see that session, how the fans divvy out, especially if Auburn beats Iowa on Thursday, because then you have Alabama and Auburn in the same session on Saturday, um, which would be interesting. I do think, though that it would definitely favor Alabama fans because Alabama has known that it's Alabama fans have known that they're going to Birmingham for a really long time. And so Alabama fans have had Birmingham session tickets bought up for a really long time. Um, so I think because of that, 
the fact that like Auburn fans will be buying these tickets like over the next few days will mean that that session is still going to be primarily Alabama. It'd be kind of interesting though, because like with that session, you're going to have Alabama fans cheering for Houston against Auburn. And you're going to have Auburn fans cheering for like Maryland or West Virginia against Alabama. So I think that'd be, that'd be, that will be a fun dynamic if Auburn ends up beating Iowa. I don't know if they do, but. I don't know. That that game is interesting. I think Iowa could come out and score like 100 points and just dust Auburn, or Auburn could kind of clamp Iowa the same way they did Missouri, and if Iowa has a bad shooting. Oh, I forgot about that Auburn-Missouri game. That game was so ugly. It was gross. Uh, But no, the dynamic in Legacy this weekend is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And then the Elite Eight is – where the first, like, oh, they got to come to play game, I think, comes. Where it's – I think it's either going to be Arizona – It's for me, it's either going to be one of Arizona – well, I'll give four options, I guess. Arizona, Baylor, Creighton, or Missouri. One of those four in the Elite Eight. Or Utah State. It's not going to be Utah State. It's not going to be Utah State. Utah State – I don't I'm- buy them. I'm, I'm not sure if I think they're computer trickers. I think there's a realm. Yep. Let me let me give you my list of West Virginia at 17, Utah State 18, Memphis, Arkansas, not really Duke, then Maryland, Iowa State, Kansas State. Those seven teams I think are probably in some of the hardest to pick games. Yeah, that's fair. And I also but- I think most of them are kind of computer trickers. I don't know. But I for that Elite Eight matchup, I would say lean Creighton. Um, I, th- I think Creighton? Solid. Yeah, I, I think lean Creighton. Uh, I think Creighton could beat Baylor or will beat Baylor. Um, and then I think the winner of that will beat Missouri, who I have coming I out have, I currently have Baylor. I have Missouri over Arizona. And so I currently have Baylor because I have them beating Creighton. That's one that I'm looking at that I might change is picking Creighton to the – I think the winner of Creighton-Baylor goes to the Elite Eight. Um, I would – honestly, if you're Bama, who would you rather play in that? That's tough. Probably Creighton. They're both good. The thing with Creighton is Creighton is going to be able to run with Alabama. At, yeah, to an the, extent like that not many teams have been able to run with Alabama all year. Now there's there's Gonzaga who obviously beat Alabama, well, but Creighton yeah. just another level of offense too. That they're going to be able to run with Alabama all game if they have to. And and they fit the um, the general Kimpon rule about Final Four teams with a twenty um, eighth ranked offense and fifteenth ranked defense. So they're I mean they're pretty good on both sides of the ball. Like that's top. Top ten percent, top five percent of all teams. So I don't know. Can I, you imagine like the the Twitter response if Alabama loses in the Elite Eight to Creighton? Oof. <laughs> After the twenty twelve, uh, like Trevor Elford no call in the first round, and then here we are, eleven years later, they're playing the Elite Eight and they lose. That would be so wild. That would that'd be unreal. But I, I still like whether it's Creighton or Baylor or Arizona for that matter. I still like Alabama's chances in that game. Yeah, like I think yeah. they would be favored. Like I think they're easily the favorite to come out of the region and to go to the Final Four. Yeah, uh, I think Alabama has the weakest two seed, the weakest five seed, and the weakest four seed. Who do you think's the weakest three seed? Uh, Kansas State. Actually, sorry, no, Xavier. Xavier. You think Baylor's better than Xavier? I think so. It's like right there for me. Do you know Kennesaw State over Xavier? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I do not have Kennesaw State over Xavier. No. I have Xavier in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I am I'm out on the Musketeers. but Shame. Do you, do you have – Mississippi State slash Pitt over Iowa State? No. No. 
Interesting. I don't I'm not sure what I, I'm going to do. I haven't picked my games officially yet. I'm not picking either of those teams over ISU. I have Arizona State over TCU. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, in general, the South region shapes up decently similar to the Kansas region last year. I forget. What were they? The Midwest? Oh, when they, uh, when they had, like – the low seeds like the whole time just because of like upsets and like the the other like top seeds in their bracket just kept losing i yeah like i I think the rule is you look at this bracket you say who's the best team okay like they're coming out of it like let's not overthink this like alabama's the one seed alabama's the one overall seed if you're making a bracket i haven't really seen that many like in general on twitter on media accounts not pick us to the final four, which is kind of scary. Uh, that's it's a very unique point to be at, but for me, it's like you just don't overthink it. Like, it's the best team in the region, they're coming out of the region. They're, I think so too. Um, which is which is crazy to sit here and talk about with so much confidence that Alabama could be a final four team, um, after the last like decade of Alabama basketball, but I mean, here we are. Uh, they very well could have been a Final Four team in 2021 had they not lost in overtime to UCLA. Had they made one more free throw, one more free throw. Um, one, one smaller size of shorts. If I was going to say, if the ball hadn't grazed, John oh Petty. yeah, if the ball hadn't gone off, gone off John Petty's shorts. That's right. Um, that, but now looking forward, who do y'all have? Jacob, I think we have the same Final Four, unless you we do. <laughs> Matthew, what's your Final Four? I, I like I said, I haven't gotten that far yet. I got to pick well, my right. Now you have to. Now have to give it to me. me. Um, I think Bama comes out of the South in the East. The East region I'll, sucks. I want to say, I want to say Duke. I'm, I really like Duke. They're playing really yeah. good basketball. I like Duke, um, but Purdue is, Purdue is, Purdue is, you know, great. Zach Eady, I no. They're both giving me a thumbs down. <laughs> no, Kendrick Davis is going to cook. Their I was going to say Memphis is a sleeper Final Four pick for me. With that, they could be easily Final come out. Of, come out of, I mean, yeah. they, they just I kind of like it. I, kinda I, like I don't it. blame you at all for that, dude. I, I have Marquette. I Marquette. yeah. Just because, like, it's not that I want to pick Marquette to the Final Four. Like, I don't. But, like, I look at the rest of the region, and I'm like, I think Memphis beats Purdue. Yeah. I have Duke in the Elite Eight. Elite Eight? But then who's the four yeah. seed in that region? Tennessee? Tennessee. They might lose first round again. Yeah. Um, hey, Barnes has Tennessee. played how many games and has beaten one team with a higher seed than him in the NCAA tournament? He's played, like – that's a lot, a ridiculous number, but he Duke doesn't... would be like I think Duke is going to beat Tennessee by like double digits in the second round. Yeah, and then you, you go keep Midwest. looking at the the Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. Houston. I. Who do you have? Houston. Yeah, Texas. Texas. I think that's a Houston. But I have them playing each other in the Elite Eight, and I think it could go either way. Yeah. Sasser is like, what's his deal? Is he playing? Is he not playing? He's banged if, up. If he's, that scoring, me with Houston. if he's playing, give me Houston. If he's not, give me Texas. Yeah, I've got Texas. I think that'll be a great game. Um, and then West, who do you have, Matthew? Oh goodness, probably Kansas. Kansas is really inconsistent for my liking. Um, I think UCLA is really good. I like UCLA, UCLA a lot. Um, Gonzaga has a great offense. Their defense is kind of mid but those are the three out of that region that i'd see getting to that point i'd probably lean kansas still but no uconn no i'm not i'm not a uconn believer at the moment obviously they beat alabama by gosh 15 20 earlier in the year but i just don't think uconn's playing great at the moment they're just i got them i think i'll have them probably lead eight sweet 16 but that's do you think uconn's out to rick patino's iona gales in the first round because that's a fun game. Don't don't think I'm at that point with UConn. I'm not. I have UConn in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'm not a huge UConn believer. Not, not a big Husky. 
I um now so that those four games are actually in Albany, and I think they're you should which is like three hours from me. Um, I think they're Friday, possibly. So if we end up having some snow and get any part of the day off Friday, I'm I might be yeah. hitting those games. You so, should that'd be awesome. I, I want to tickets. They're going to go up because UConn's there, which kind of stinks. But oh, it is. Yeah, I forgot about that. We'll see. Um, yeah, I. I think in that region. I have VCU over St. Mary's with really Same. no doubt. Um, <laughs> some doubt. It's like an eighty twenty. And I. <laughs> I, I am going to say it. I think Arkansas could beat Kansas. They could. They could. Yeah, Arkansas has they all could. the talent in the world. They just they haven't been able to put it together. Yeah. I wanted Arkansas to be put in someone else's region so I could pick them. Yeah. But I I can't in good faith take them over Kansas. Uh, me neither. For now. And I don't think two Yeah, for now. I don't think two 8 seeds beat one seeds. Sure. So, I have Gonzaga coming out of that region. I think they're playing really good ball right now. And yeah. I, like... Their offense is disgusting. It's so good. It's so good. It's Every so good. Single, their whole starting five is elite. And then you bring on Malachi Smith. It's like, all right. That's unfair. Um, the Zags, what they did to St. Mary's in the championship... That sold me. I was like, you... Like, St. Mary's isn't bad. Like, I don't think they're great or anything but like smoked them in the championship game like that that was enough for me to be like okay like they're it's they're underrated this time whereas like last season they were easy number one overall seed and it's like i i I feel like we've seen improvement from gonzaga this year instead of them just like coasting against nobodies yeah true because they didn't like they had to win games a lot of the time. Right. Um, yeah. So I I know we have similar final fours. I have Alabama over Gonzaga in the national championship of score 95. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me oh, and Jacob man. didn't talk about the bracket like at all. And then I text him today and I'm like, who's your final four? We have the same final four, same championship game, same champion. Yeah. <laughs> and I think oh, we have a very similar Elite Eight. I would, I would imagine so. I have so I have Bama and Baylor. You okay. have Bama Creighton. I have Alabama Creighton. I have Houston Texas. Uh, I also have Houston Texas. I have Kansas Gonzaga. Uh, I think I actually have UConn Gonzaga. Hold up, let me pull okay. up. Let me see. And then uh, on the other yeah. side, I have Marquette Duke. Yeah, I yeah. I have yeah. very similar <laughs> lines of thinking in terms of basketball knowledge. Yes. So it, that's not surprising. I, was about to say, I, I need to see a Matthew bracket soon. I, I wish I, we we need it, and then we may need to have a, like a ten minute video discussion mm. to go through. Go through <laughs> I want to see it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this tournament. I think there's a lot of really fun games across the board. Um, I think first round Memphis FAU is probably my number one. Quickly followed by like game to watch. Yeah, game to watch. Duke Oral uh, Roberts. Duke Oral Roberts, I like. Texas AM Penn State is gonna be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what's gonna happen. Both teams, I think Penn State's playing, I mean, obviously playing pretty hot. They were a fumbled shot away from winning the Big Ten. Um there's there's a lot of fun in this bracket. Like Kent that, State, Indiana. Kent State, Indiana is great. Also an Albany round. Um, oh, you gotta get to that game. I wanna go. I wanna That'd be so go. fun. Just go, just do it. I I want do to. It. <laughs> uh drake miami drake yeah. is dude, i didn't realize they won the mvac eight by a margin of 18 per game wow and won That's their impressive. last 17 of the last 18 maybe yeah charleston san diego state's gonna be a good game in the first round it is very good um, um then you've got uh um arkansas illinois that, that's great um, Auburn, Iowa. Auburn, Iowa is also is just going to be really, really fun. Kentucky I'll Providence under the radar. Kentucky Providence and a potential second round of Kentucky Kansas State. 
That's Ooh. fun. Like there's so I love this tournament. It's gonna be so fun. I I know I probably have. I know I'm the only one of the three of us that's gonna take this, but I am gonna take Montana State. Over who? Who do they Kansas even play? State. Kansas State. You're not. I have a feeling. You're good for a one fourteen seed pick a year. I am. They never I, hit, but I, I would it would it shock you if I told you I had two right now? No, you don't. And I'm oh goodness. I, you do not have two fourteen seeds. Who's the other I one? Do. Kennesaw State. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh goodness. I, I think no I, way. I'm gonna be honest. I thought the seeding from a lot of the teams from the committee was interesting. Um. Texas A&M is a seven is bad. It's bad. I think it's funny. It is funny. It's bad. Play some teams at non-conference, but uh, Auburn being nine good. in Birmingham is tough. They screwed Houston. They did screw Houston. Also, Nevada getting in instead of Rutgers, Rutgers or Rutgers. Oklahoma State. I don't love that, um, but I mean, Rutgers just got it. Yeah, Rutgers. Rutgers should have been. The New Jersey governor said so. I mean, what else are we going to do? He, he put it out. He's like, Rutgers deserves to be in. Like, Maybe. Um, those losses are going to But very, very fun bracket. Going to be a very fun viewing experience these next few days. Oh, yeah. um, and then it's going to get going to get stressful as Alabama plays some, some very meaningful, intense games. We will be uh, next week. Me and Matthew will be in Birmingham uh, covering the games. Jacob might be attending games in Albany, uh, I, potentially. Potentially. Uh, we will be back uh, recording next week after uh, the round of 32. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll record regardless whether Alabama is still in the tournament or not, assuming they still will be uh, previewing the Sweet 16 Elite Eight second weekend. Um, who knows if we'll be – uploading video of that or not now that we're yeah. doing this whole stream yard thing it's pretty cool that's pretty sick. um yeah. great but uh we got anything else or or is that is that good to go uh, i think that's it okay sweet wait do we have a are we doing a bracket challenge yes yeah we are going to do a bracket challenge i need to be I'll, check I'll our set up this week i'll set that up yeah check our twitter uh at bcu podcast uh to set up uh, a bracket group that we're going to have. We'll all be in it um, with our very, very, very similar brackets. So you have a really good chance of yeah. beating us or losing to us all sure. collectively. Um, but uh, check our Twitter for that. Make sure to follow us all there to keep up with everything. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for that, uh, today. We will catch you guys next time. Thank you.